0: For launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous group that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your host, Andrew Site. I must be louder. And
1: site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is gonna be a bummer. But if they win, it's gonna be a party. This DJ so fun. Okay, let's go. 0 11 is not the start we had in mind for the Cleveland Browns, but at the same time, it's not unexpected. I'm Stephen Kavitsa here with the Dog Pound Daily Podcast, joined by Andrew Seifed. Andrew, the Browns didn't play a terrible game today. No, they didn't. Uh, they had they actually outscored
0: the Bengals. or not outscored the Bengals. They out yardaged the Bengals, outgained the out-gained, Bengals. I, I believe outgained. I think is the correct terminology there. 405 to 361. I mean, they didn't turn the ball over. But they in the end they just didn't execute the plays. You know, there's they always say there's four or five plays every game that change the change the momentum or, you know, really define how the game's gonna go. And the Browns just didn't execute enough of those plays today to win.
1: Sean Kaiser did not throw an interception. That was nice. Isaiah Crowell yeah, he, had a great game on the ground.
0: Kaiser played his best game of the year. I mean, put him in he made some big time throws. I mean, even that throw to Corey Coleman that was subsequently dropped, but I mean, that's a great throw. He made a couple of throws to the sideline that, that really kept the Browns in the game. And it's amazing what can happen when you have a, a, a decent run game, you know, especially Isaiah Crowell averaging, I think close to six yards a carry
1: today. Yeah. He had 95 yards, 16 carries for a 5.9 average 5.9. There it is. Yeah. I mean, if he can continue to do that for the rest of the year,
0: I, I think there's a chance the Browns can win, but I, I I think just the defensive injuries, stacking up with Collins out, Meter out, uh, who else Agba out. Agba out. I mean, it just, just with those run stoppers piling up, it's just not, a, uh, not an ideal situation for the Browns defense in terms of stopping the run. Yeah.
1: They played a great game, at least uh, not great. For their standards, great on offense. But when you look at it, they have to settle for field goals three times. They missed a field goal. But even if they made four, I don't think it changes the game that much.
0: No, but even looking on that first drive of the game, I mean, they're, they shoot themselves in the foot, or they can't again. They can't execute plays that put them in position to win. I mean, they get down to the what six yard line, and then Treggs has that taunting penalty for no reason, backs them up way out of field or way out of uh, out of position or near, away from the goal line. And at that point, the Browns are lucky to be in close that anyway. You know, they're not going to score from twenty one yards out, so that results in a field goal. It's just plays like that, that that separate good teams from bad teams, and unfortunately the Browns can't get over that hump. we are still 11 weeks into the season.
1: I want to get your opinion on a play that I was, at the time, even frustrated with. It was at the end of the first half, five seconds left on the Bengals' three-yard line. Hugh Jackson elects to kick a field goal to make it 16-6 instead of going for a touchdown. My view is your team's 0-10. Bengals are getting the ball after halftime. At least try to go for a touchdown. Were you okay with a field goal there? I'm trying
0: third and two the Cincinnati three okay so I was just very end to of the first this. half yeah um I think maybe they were trying to just avoid what happened against the Lions I, even on that first drive I saw when they got backed up you know they, they really took the ball out of Kaiser's hands just giving a screen pass to Duke Johnson there on on third and long so maybe they're trying to just avoid or just putting points on the board instead of squandering those opportunities and just kind of keeping themselves in the game. I don't know if he goes for it and he doesn't get it. You know we're sitting here ridiculing him again. So I don't know. What do you think?
1: I I like I said I, I wish he would have gone for a touchdown. I get the mindset of let's just get some points. But when you're zero and ten and the difference is being down thirteen or, or yeah, if you don't get it, you're down thirteen. If you kick a field goal, you're down ten. If you get a touchdown, you're down six. If Zay Gonzalez doesn't blow the extra point, uh, I I kind of wish he would have went for it. I think at this point in the season, you hate to say, well, you're 0 oh, 10, just do it, but I think it's the truth. There's, you're, you, yeah, I mean, you need when, one win. And when
0: you're running the ball as well as you are with Isaiah Crowell, especially, I mean, it does kind of make you scratch your head a little bit as to why you wouldn't consider that. I think they didn't have any timeouts at the end of the half, though, so that
1: maybe did pertains
0: not. to it. But again, we've seen Kaiser throw so many interceptions in the red zone this year that I, I I can't fault him for not putting it in the hands of Kaiser. On the other hand, I can't, you know, put it on the foot of Zane Gonzalez either because he can't make; he's not a consistent kicker whatsoever. So that's just another, another mishap by the front office in terms of talent evaluation.
1: While Cody Parkey is hanging out in Miami, having a grand old time making field goals. Well, it's not even that like Zane Gonzalez misses the field goals.
0: I mean, I guess that is exactly part of it, but. A guy like Cody Park, he's been around the league. You know, he he knows how to deal with that adversity. He's been cut from quite a few different spots, you know, and he even went through that with the Browns game. I just think that they cut a guy who had already gone through those growing pains that we're seeing from Zane Gonzalez, and I, I think it's costing this team not only points but games. If you look back early on in the season as well,
1: I agree. And I want to bring up another decision while we're still talking about the plays and not the future of the franchise. How angry were you when the Browns had, I believe it was a third and one, uh, had the ball, timeout called, come back in, Hugh Jackson calls a run out of the shotgun, or at oh. least a read option out of the shotgun? What, 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 I'm trying to remember the drive about this, but I think I wrote it down. It was uh, in was the second Duke,
0: half. Was it a draw with Duke Johnson? But they, and they actually got it, but they had to use
1: a timeout afterward? No, this was when Kaiser got sacked. Um, they were driving the oh, ball. It was third and yeah. one. And he got drilled for like an
0: eight-yard loss. I remember that. I was pretty upset about that because, again, I, I don't understand why you're running out of the shotgun or even doing a read option. You've, Like I said, you've averaged six yards a carry with Crowell. Let's see. I had it down here. Kaiser sacked on third and one, and I put in parentheses or, or all caps, you know, run the damn ball. At that point, Crowell was 13, yard, or 13 carries for 89 yards and, and 6.7 yards per carry. I, I, I see no reason why you wouldn't give him the ball there. And it's just more head-scratching decisions made by Hugh Jackson that continue to just cost this team football games.
1: I found where it was. It was end of the third quarter, third and one on the Cincy side of the field. You have you, you had a Isaiah Crowell nine-yard run, incomplete pass, third and one, nine-yard loss on a sack. Just keep running the ball. Try to get Isaiah Crowell 20 carries for once. We'll have to throw a parade if that happens. It just doesn't, I mean, we say it every week, like, we need to run the ball. And at the beginning of the season, it was, they're going to start running the ball, but it just, it's just not happening.
0: Well, I mean, there's Duke Johnson getting only 10 touches again today. And Joku's on the field, but he's not really making an impact.
1: He had four uh, catches he, on four targets. So really that's good. not that's better really than in the last game plan.
0: Um, but again, there's I can't wait for Josh Gordon to come back because I can't watch Ricardo Lewis play one more down. For this football team, because I still don't think he's caught a pass since he was at Auburn. Dropped another, dropped two of them again today. He's just not a consistent guy that you can throw out there and expect your your young rookie quarterback to lean on in terms of, of catching the football.
1: I think his drop at the end of the game really illustrated this receiving core. It was just a perfect example of you know no like Deshaun Kaiser is not a great quarterback. He's struggling, going through growing pains, but drops like that have been happening all season. And there's nothing you could do as a quarterback. Yeah, I mean. Again, Hugh Jackson said it before that this team needs to play
0: perfect in order to win and if you look at the score line, similar first downs, total plays, the Browns actually ran more plays, like I said they outgained them. They had the same amount of drives, yards per play is similar. I mean, everything matches up in the Browns like it, it's a pretty even game and the fact that they're losing games by double digits when everything is is pretty close here is, is a little concerning. What do you don't you think?
1: Well, that was my fear. I said it's kind of scary that the Browns could play a really good game and this and they lose by double digits they didn't turn the ball over if you kind of miss field goals to turn over then maybe but they didn't throw an interception or fumble the ball the defense didn't play great obviously and they have injuries no. to deal with but I mean this was a solid game and it wasn't even really close
0: oh you know, they, they just can't punch it in in the red zone and I don't know if that's I, I, them not getting out of their own way like I said on the first drive or, or just the inability to create separation or just the hesitancy of of Kaiser you know or having the yips down there because he has thrown so many interceptions there in the past but again they've got to find a way to convert to touchdowns over field goals because the Bengals had no problem scoring touchdowns today and they they definitely leaned on the ground game with Joe Mixon having uh well over 100 yards on I think 28 carries so The Browns need to to shore up that run game, and it's, I guess, a a testament to how good it was early on that, you know, it wasn't something that we were focused on. That was actually one of the pleasant bright spots was the run defense, but now with with all the the injuries, you know, it's, it's something that we have to be concerned about moving forward.
1: I don't see much changing from this game forward. With the injuries that are there, there might even be more. The only person coming back is Josh Gordon on offense. I... I fear for what lies ahead in the last five games really the only game that might be easy is the week 17 game against pittsburgh if they're resting Le'Veon bell uh chicago's
0: pretty uh banged up with injuries and that's just gonna be a tough game but if you have josh gordon i mean that's one thing that the browns have been lacking even since Corey coleman has come back the browns have no one on the offense that you have to game plan for Not a single player. I mean, they even had that with Terrell Pryor last year. At least somebody that that's a potential weapon that could take something to the house if need be. It could be Duke if they gave him the ball. Well, exactly. I mean, I I would say that Duke Johnson is that guy. But again, that's one out of eleven, and you have or however many skill position players. But that's one out of all those guys. And and when it comes, he's your best wide receiver by a mile, and he's all your backup running back. So, what does that say about your wide receiving core? Bringing in a guy like Josh Gordon. Next week against San Diego, I would imagine he's probably going to get 15 to 20 targets alone just to <laughs> provide some sort of spark to this offense or convert something in the red zone for once.
1: It is crazy that Josh Gordon, who hasn't played in a regular season game for years, is coming back and is instantly the best receiver on the team. That should never be the case. I'm happy he's coming back and I'm happy he's still. they think he's still great, but that is bad. And that has to reflect in the front office somehow in the evaluations of the group at the end of the season. Yeah, but to be fair, Josh Gordon coming back to any team,
0: he would probably be one of the best receivers on any team. But I I get what you're saying. I mean, it's almost sad because they've had to lean on him coming back as some sort of, you know, building block versus actually going out and making good draft picks or free agency decisions on guys that can contribute to your football team without having the off the field risk that Gordon's had in the
1: past. And to that point, what you brought up taking, you know, getting free agents and stuff Kenny Britt's day was a weird one today they were showing him on the sideline with a towel over his head seemingly asleep and then twice he had these great catches He just snagged it out of the air and I'm like is that Kenny Britt and the announcers were like oh god it's like where has <laughs> I, that been all
0: year yeah I texted you right after because I think it was right in the middle of a rant of some sort or I was pissed off about something and Britt like he Kaiser fired it over the middle and Britt just like you said snagged it out of the air and I was like all right, I can't stand Kenny Britt, but man, that was a that was a pretty good catch and run. So, I, again, but it's only two plays for 52 yards. So, how much is he really contributing? I, I get you got to find it somewhere, but there's got to be someone that we can find that can be a, a more consistent option because right now, I mean, I'm going to take a look here at the box score and how many receivers, different receivers, are targeted. More than once, it's like Ricardo Lewis two, Crowell two, Higgins three. I mean, Coleman with eight targets is the anomaly, but everybody else is just it's sparing targets. You know, there's no vacuum or, or like target hog that that the Browns can count on to move the chains. And maybe Gordon can be that guy.
1: And you look at the Bengals; you have AJ Green, Brandon LaFell taking up the bulk of the targets. The Browns it's pretty much whoever's the most open of the least open receiving core in the entire NFL.
0: Do you think Hugh Jackson's changed up his game plan from what's gone on early in the year? I mean, again, he seems to move away from the run anytime he gets down more than three points, but it still looks like he is trying to put the ball in the hands of someone running the ball versus passing it, whether it's Kaiser, Duke Johnson, or Isaiah Crowell. Is that? Do you see that same trend
1: as well? I don't know because then like Cody Kessler comes in and seemingly the all the you know his whole game plan changes when it should just be pound the run. I I hope I never see Cody Kessler again for the rest of the year.
0: I I don't I don't know what happened, but anytime he's out there now he is he is completely lost. He has no idea what to do. He holds on to the ball. I mean, we didn't even see this last year and that was a worse He worst played team. well last year. Yeah. And now coming into this year, you know there was a little bit of expectation for him, and even being the backup, you know we saw a flash of it in whatever game that he came in and started the next week. But I don't want to see him again. I mean, he gets sacked more than Kaiser does, and he he's in for like five percent of the plays that Kaiser is. So it's I, I just can't believe
1: that the backup quarterbacks are that underprepared. Stepping in for Deshaun Kaiser and just stepping in for a series or two. It's not like Cody Kessler has to start the game on short notice. They don't even get positive yards. They just they go backwards. They get He gets sacked two or
0: three times every every drive that he has. So I just ugh, I, I I
1: can't stand it. I don't want to watch it anymore. And I don't understand it. Kevin Hogan must be sick or hurt still because he was he was named the backup. And then now he's inactive every week. I don't know what happened. Not that it really matters. It's not like I'm not looking at to Kevin Hogan as the savior.
0: Yeah. Oh, in case you were curious, uh, CJ Beathard just got hurt in this San Francisco game with a minute left. And so uh, my boy Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get his first uh, first NFL action for the, for the 49ers. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hope he fumbles it, it, a snap. It, it's pretty refreshing actually watching just even halfway decent football. I mean, the 49ers put up six points, but they still look better than the Browns did. It's, I watch the Browns and I just don't see teams making the mistakes that the Browns make. Like the 49ers are just a bad football team, like much less talented than the Browns. But the Browns make these dumb mental mistakes. Like I said before, that just continue to haunt them and cost them the game. And they should be, they, they should have won at least a few games by now, given the teams that have been on their schedule.
1: Not even just the final scores and like just crazy things like the Detroit game. They probably should have stole that one from them. Jets game. They've had several three-point losses.
0: The, the Titans basically gave that game to them and said, here, we're we're coming off a short week and you've had a week of rest. You can win this game. We're only going to score, what was it, nine points, 12 points?
1: I think it was 12-9. 12 yeah. nine. Two, Overtime. Nine.
0: Okay, so, I mean, if your offense scores two freaking touchdowns, You win the game, and you don't even you only you can miss one extra point and still win the game. You don't even have to get both of them, Zane. If Zane just, man, this team is just. uh, I I don't know if it's the coaching staff or the front office, maybe a mixture of both. But to go one in twenty six like this is just not. I get some of it's on the players, but I think more of this is on the coaching staff than we've let on in in previous weeks.
1: And while you're if you're a little riled up now, I want to get you a little more riled up. What are your thoughts on the footage? Of Hugh Jackson running across the field to hug AJ McCarron, and then him, Jimmy Haslam, and McCarron have a little buddy chat before the game. What did you Yucking think? about I saw some beat writers say, "Please caption this." I, I don't even have the energy. What did you think about that meetup?
0: up well, I saw a tweet uh, that that kind of talked about what that dialogue was about between them on the field, and it was I think they just asked him about that Alabama Auburn game that happened last night I, again i think it's kind of weird i've never seen that happen i've never seen hugh jackson look at Deshaun kaiser like that <laughs> and uh we obviously know with the, the failed trade at the deadline that that hugh jackson loves aj mccarron and poten- depending on how this uh lit was it uh, litigation on his final year of eligible or not eligibility to, but he wants to be to an, to an unrestricted free, free agent Yeah, and we all know if he wins that, you know, if Hugh Jackson could stick around, that's going to be a guy that you may may as well see in brown and orange next year. So I I don't know if there's anything to make of it, but I did find it extremely odd.
1: They're going to have Josh Rosen, Deshaun Kaiser, and AJ McCarron having a quarterback duel next spring or next summer, I should say. I will not be excited to think about it, but. I could see no. that coming on the horizon. I didn't think it was a big deal. I thought I just kind of laughed because I'm like, this is such a Browns thing that these well, pictures again, of the coach, your own coach <laughs> running across the, it's like when he goes to Cincy, it's like, Hey, Hugh's back. Woo. Hey coach. Like, no, this, you coach the Browns now. Well, and we
0: just got done. I don't know if we talked about it a lot, but like Tashawn Gibson had all those comments about all the fr- like the Browns are going to go in 16. We're going to hang 40 on him. Yada, yada, yada. And then Crowell takes a picture with him and daps him up after the game, exchange jerseys, and it's like, man, that guy just talked shit to you and then beat you on the field, and now you're just going to act all buddy-buddy. It's like, have some respect. And then your coach turns around next week and goes out and does it exactly with the other team. So it's a little frustrating, but at the same time – ooh, Jimmy Garoppolo just threw a touchdown. It's a, uh, at the same time, it's very frustrating because tomorrow's press conference is going to be nothing about that interaction, or it's going to be all about that interaction instead of what happened during the game.
1: Like I said, it's just another Browns thing, and I kind of feel bad for like Deshaun Kaiser. It's they tried the trade for McCarran, couldn't get him. Hugh Jackson comes out earlier weeks of the season and says, "Oh, I'm sticking behind Kaiser." Benches him, pulls him several times, and he's looking and talking about AJ McCarron like AJ McCarron's Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> it's like just you build up your own quarter. I'm sure I'm. They have meetings all week. They're together all week. I, I'm not saying Hugh Jackson ignores Kaiser all week, but. Just have some sense of your surroundings, especially when your team's 0 10. It's like really, fan base is hostile. Everyone's he angry. Really, he
0: must really have 100% certainty that he's not getting fired.
1: Well, he you was know, out like, there I, with Jimmy Haslam.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, you don't see Sashi Brown. You don't. It's him and Jimmy Haslam. You know, there doesn't seem to be any uh, wavering whether or not he's still, like, either he's completely okay with the fact that he's getting fired or he's and just crazy. doesn't give a shit anymore or he knows that his job is safe. So I I I'm I'm glad that they're considering keeping him just for continuity's sake, but his coaching decisions have been so bad and I think that needs to be taken into consideration at year's end if that's the route that they choose to go.
1: The the head coaching, like how long to keep him if they're doing bad? conversation interests me because some teams it's this is our head coach you see I think more of this in baseball this is our head coach we're going to keep them for x amount of years no matter what but man if you start let's say they get one win this year I'm gonna be really optimistic and you're 2 and 30 and 4 and 4 in the preseason that is that is nothing to build on you can't just say those two years like, oh, those don't matter well those I don't care like no matter who you are as a head coach, that's bad.
0: Yeah, you can't recover from that. And if they go zero and sixteen again, that's that's a stain that doesn't wash off your coaching record or off the history books. You know, Rod Marinelli never got a job after that, and he that's still something that probably haunts him to this day because that's is something that's really only been done by one team, and that was the Tampa Bay Bucks, and that was fourteen games. They went zero and fourteen, and they
1: were games. an expansion team.
0: Exactly, and the fact that. I mean we've heard the the comparisons that this team is is not as good as the the expansion team because but the record proves that. I mean, you can say that talent is better on this team, but maybe it's the coaching staff that's unable to get these victories or you know, if you want to sit here and say the talent level is that much better on this team, you gotta prove it to me because there's no one really popping on any sort of film that's proving me otherwise at this point.
1: I think a difference too with that expansion team, yeah, they were getting blown out. And you know they weren't as talented as this team, but they because it was an expansion draft, they had a good mix of rookie players, veteran players from around the league. Or like, and the fans were riled up. I'm sure the coaches were excited. Like, hey, this is the Cleveland Browns are back, and they got whooped in their first game yeah. back, and all year. But they still managed to pick up two wins. You know, they the coaches inspired their players enough, or I don't know what happened. The veterans, you know, stood up, but. It is statistically hard to go 0-16. A lot has to go wrong, and it just seems the players want to win. I'm not saying they don't want to win because you have a lot of – you have some veterans on this team, I should say, who are there trying to – we have Jason McCourty. I'm going to make him the veteran on the team. Some veterans? You mean Joe like Thomas two. does weather two reports before the game. That's the most exciting part of the game. <laughs> I it's do like the his game. weather
0: reports. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, well, you, you touched on a good point of uh, just some of the uh, – Oh, actually, I don't know what point you touched on, but it, it reminded me of the Jabril Peppers play and the fact that, like, what what are your thoughts on the the hit itself? Because that was obviously a huge, huge turning point in the game that caused the Browns to. Oh, it was it was about you know things not going the Browns' way, and that Peppers call today again looked like one of those things that seemed to go against the Browns again, and was was truly a big turning point in the game.
1: Uh, yeah, I calls like that. I don't know. I think that could happen to any team, but I do agree with your point. If that was like a Patriots other team, whoever they're playing playoff game, I don't know if that gets called. But when it's the Browns, it's you're assuming they did something stupid, throw the flag. Just another example, and I I don't like that's obviously a turning point, but I feel like a lot of people are going to say, "Oh, the Browns got screwed. They would have won the game if that call didn't happen." I don't know if they would have. No, I think it's a sca- It's like a make that the scapegoat. It's not Hughes' fault. It's not whoever's fault. It's they still would to have had to drive down the field and score a touchdown.
0: Yeah, well, that play doesn't really. It, it means a lot, but if Corey Coleman catches the ball before that, you know that that touchdown drive that the Browns had to make it a seven point game, essentially ties the game. And that I think that right there, you have the missed field goal from Zane Gonzalez. You have the the wide open perfect throw from Deshaun Kaiser. Into the lap of Corey Coleman that he drops, um, just kind of really took the wind out of the sails. Was that like in said, the end zone? Yeah. Oh yeah, it Which was I a thought. touchdown if he caught it. Um, but yeah, it's just again we talked about it before. One of those things that those are the plays you got to make if you want to win. And Peppers made a great play on that ball. I, I think you were you were more on the fence that that he it should have been a legal hit, but unfortunately the way the rules are, you know, he did hit the helmet first, even though it was. Uh, a pretty nice play by Peppers, probably his best play so far as a Brown.
1: Well, that's the problem. It's in... For anyone who watches football, that's what you're... And that's what you're taught to do. He's catching the ball, jar it loose. But mm-hmm. the NFL's rules, if you even just barely touch the helmet at all or use your helmet, it's its called. And according to the NFL... It's like the catch rules. According to the mm-hmm. rules, that's right. It's the NFL rules, not football <laughs> rules in general. That's why it's so frustrating. It's what... You know what are you supposed? To, what's he supposed to do? And my thing was they called it on a defenseless receiver, and according to the rules of the call, it should have just been I don't, unnecessary roughness because the defenseless receiver call made no sense because he was catching the ball.
0: Yeah, it, it's, he's not a defenseless receiver if he catches it and takes three steps. Yeah, so he was I, I get what you're he saying had the there. ball
1: in his arms when peppers jarred it loose.
0: Yeah, I mean I think if pepper go, peppers goes a little bit lower, we're not talking about it. He may maybe he catches the ball, maybe he doesn't. But I I think it's a hell of a lot less controversial, you know. And we're gonna have probably a ton of people talking about oh that was a, a BS call by the NFL, you know, screwing the Browns. But to be honest, that's that's how it's called. And and if until you start winning, those kind of calls, like we always talk about Pittsburgh, or at least me and my dad always talk about this, and Pittsburgh always gets those Pittsburgh calls. You know, they always get things to bounce their way, and it's it, it's just. One of those things that until you start winning, that's when like opportunity meets preparation is that's how you get luck. And the Browns just are not at that point yet.
1: Yeah, it's frustrating. That's any sport, though. Bad baseball teams won't get the benefit of the doubt from umpires. NBA teams, if you're a bad team and you're playing the Cavs and you plow over LeBron, it's going to be a charge 99% of the time. But it's like, how do you overcome that? And again, with the Browns, they can't seem to do that yeah it's when you're the worst team in the league you can't expect anything to go to your way you have to earn it, yeah, so, so looking uh, ahead to next week, Josh Gordon's back who do we is it the chargers next the week? Los Angeles Chargers at their giant oh soccer stadium what I'm really thankful for is that my
0: fantasy football opponent sat Philip Rivers this week because he went off on the Dallas defense and I don't know if uh if Melvin Gordon had too many looks in that game, but you know, with the way the Browns' run defense looked today, it could be a heavy dose of Melvin Gordon next week against the Chargers.
1: Chargers have Keenan Allen again. They are going to, unfortunately, beat the Browns pretty bad. Well, I mean, it's their revenge game.
0: I don't think they, they forgot about what happened last year. Maybe having Josh Gordon back helps because I, don't, I honestly don't think there's anybody in the NFL that can guard him. I really don't. Because he's going to go up and make that play anyway, so I'm really—that's the only reason I'm tuning in next week. Because I really want to see how Josh Gordon comes out in his first game, not only for the Browns in three years, but for the first time ever being sober. So yeah, he's actually
1: like a clean individual now. I'm excited just because he's—you hate to see generational talents get messed up, and it's hey, this yeah. guy, hey, if he and if he's here next year, then he wants to leave or whatever. That's fine. I understand the Browns stink, but it's just good to see him back doing well. I, yeah, I don't think the Browns are at any point to try and trade
0: him. Maybe that's what happens in the offseason. if he. But even if he comes out, you know, and has five, let's say five, hundred yard games, that'd be amazing. I don't know, however many touchdowns, two, three <laughs> touchdowns, whatever. You know what is his trade value even worth? Because does anyone trust him? Yeah, I mean, he's gone. If one thing happens, he's gone for the rest of the year. I don't think you're getting anything higher than a fifth rounder for Josh Gordon. Regardless of how good he is, I don't think there's a team that would be, you know, willing to go much higher than that just because of the off the field stuff. But that's where I just think the Browns need to hold on to him and, you know, hope that they can change his mind in the next two years, that they can turn this thing into a winner and keep him around long term.
1: I'm just excited to see the starting wide receivers beat Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon after the rotations of Kenny Britt, Hollywood Higgins, Ricardo Lewis, uh, yeah. who, you know, Sammy Coates. Well, the thing is it
0: finally extends the field a little bit. The Browns really haven't had a deep threat. I, I, if I was a, an opposing defender, I would lead. Well, except for Corey Coleman, if I was matched up, I would not ask for any safety help on guys like Ricardo Lewis, Sammy Coates. I mean, you don't need it because one, either they're not going to catch it or they're not going to, it's not going to be an accurate pass, but a guy like Josh Gordon, that's a guy that can stretch the defense out vertically and almost make you have to play a defender or a safety that far back. Like we've seen with Jabril peppers and that, that not only works well for the other receivers, but the tight ends as well. I mean, how many times have we seen shallow crossing routes or any sort of throw across the middle? I think very few and far between ever since the, the whatever game that we got called with all those penalties, but a guy like Josh Gordon
1: really opens up the field to, to to get those guys involved and play action might work because might. they actually have to worry about. <laughs> or, I mean, if the if the Browns commit to the run, which they won't, then <laughs> they have to worry about you know if we bite on a fake on a fake, Gordon's gonna be wide open. Blah blah blah. We'll, we'll see if they do it.
0: Did you see the fake last week that they had? That was like the most ridiculous. Well, we talked the most about terrible it. Th- yeah, I, and I, I wrote about it in my column. It's, if you're gonna put that kind of effort into uh, into your or whatever your your fake handoff then what's the point? clearly of it? a pass <laughs> yeah i don't know it's again frustrating i saw russell wilson scramble for 13 yards while faking a stretched out you know faked it and ran for 13 yards after that and the browns can't again it's the little things like that that separate you from a being a bad team to a good team and I don't know if it's going to take a new coaching staff to figure it out or if it's going to be the growth and development of these players. But at some point, it's going to have to click. I just hope it's soon.
1: Me too. Any final thoughts before we wrap up our 0-11 podcast?
0: No. Not really.
1: What about you? <laughs> nah. I'm I'm over the Sunday bummer. Like, I used to get that. Like, man, Brown's lost. But it's every week now. So if they won, I'd be so, I wouldn't be I would know how to feel. So. Yeah. I mean my
0: my fantasy teams are winning, so that's what keeps me afloat. But when my off, like when my when I go zero and three in fantasy, and then the Browns also lose, it's definitely the most depressing Sunday. But I think I'll go at least two and th- two and one, maybe three and zero this week. So that's that's what I am happy about.
1: Yeah, we will be back later this week. We'll probably have some good Josh Gordon stuff to talk about because he's supposed to be activated tomorrow. Yeah, and I think he can finally practice with the
0: team, like, in a team setting, or has he been doing that for the week? Well, last he was week?
1: doing team drills last week, but I'm sure okay. this week he'll actually be involved in, like, the game plan as opposed to just catching passes. Yeah, he was scout team A.J. Green last week, so who knows? Maybe uh,
0: is this game in Cleveland or in San Diego? It's
1: 4 o'clock. It's the Browns Ooh. aside from the London game, they're one game domestic. That's not at 105. No,
0: it's, the, it's the prime time, the prime time 425 start on the West Coast. So, great. At least I can watch that and be done. I don't know. I, I don't want to. I'd rather it be done at 930 like the London games because that was. I had that a whole was day great. We had a whole day. That. It was awesome.
1: But, no, right. that's it for me. As I said, we'll be back later this week. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, and thanks for listening.